bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer. Time for another special edition, a bonus edition of Green and Growing. Uh, and normally we would talk NBA, we would talk Bucks basketball with our guy Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson and BetMGM, a great sponsor uh, of them and BetQL. But uh, for the next couple of weeks, we'll probably focus more on the NCAA tournament moving forward here. But before we get to the NCAA tournament, my guy, some props, man. You were on it on your little wagertainment thing last night uh, on Twitter. The little video. By, by the way, the phone a little too close to your face, I think, uh, at, at BetMGM uh, yesterday. And you were all over it and hit it. Uh, what was it? It was uh, Gilgus Alexander and the Thunder, I think, uh, was the, the, the two part. Yeah, and Sparky, to your point, I've. I'm aware that the phone was a little close. Uh, true story. I was still still waiting for my room to be ready at at uh, MGM Grand. Oh, okay. In uh, in in Vegas, where I am right now, and so I was like, it like basically in a line, and I was like, okay, like I have to record this video while I'm like waiting to like drop my luggage off. Sure. Because I had like forgotten to do the video, and it was fun. And I was I saw the lion, and I was like, all right, this will be fun. So yeah, it was a little t- like I I it's really weird. Like you, have you seen all those videos where people are like recording TikToks at like a like a Home Depot or something, right. and somebody somebody films them filming the TikTok, <laughs> yes. and you're just like, and you're like, how unaware <laughs> is this person? Like how much? Like they're just driving all of us crazy. <laughs> so I I didn't want to be that person. Like I didn't want to be like in the middle of MGM. Like what's up, everybody? Ken Barkley here. Like let's and like dancing and so, like whatever. And, like all these people are walking by. So I was like, all right, trying to do this like low key video, basically. And, yeah, it was a little a little close to the face, but it served the and most importantly to your point. The bet, the bet won, which was good, which was yes. uh, Thunder covered. And then, yeah, when SGA plays on the first night of the every time now, because they're like half tanking and half preserving him, um, but he rests now. So, like, he, when he actually plays, think about if, like, well, they kind of do this with Giannis anyway, but think about if Giannis would play like one out of every four games, but he was healthy. Right. Like, he was just a healthy scratch. Imagine how good he would be in the fourth game every time. Like, he would be unbelievable because he has like all this. And this happens all the time when teams get days off. So, like, yeah, uh, SGA has gone over his points prop since they started this new regimen of resting him. He's gone over his points prop literally every game. Yeah, that that is crazy. Uh, it, it, it's it's funny because BetMGM Grand, I stayed out there for the NBA Summer League a years ago. I think it was like, I don't know, the second or third year bet, uh, that MGM Grand was open actually out there in, in the summer. Uh, prices a lot less. Even with the NBA Summer League back then, they were a lot less. And it's just a gorgeous hotel. Just absolutely love it. Do they still have the huge food court that attaches between that uh, and MGM? Yeah, so it's called. Uh, they have a, a giant like mall attachment called the District. Yeah, uh, I had I had sushi for dinner over there. I ate at uh, Morimoto, which is like uh, the Iron Chef owns it. Yep. It's like his restaurant, and uh, and I did had a oh man had like had like a lot of Asian spices on it and vegetables, mm. and it was just. Oh, I mean, I oh, yeah, oh, and I did, and I did, I wasn't I wasn't putting the bill for it, so we got some extras and uh, and did some stuff. So are you that was good? Are you a Food Network guy? Do you do you watch Food Network? I mean, I will. Well, look, I think I think we're all guilty of watching diners, drive-ins, and dives marathons. Sure. I think we're all we're all guilty of watching like chopped marathons. But I don't watch like aside from like the main shows. I don't have it on all the time. I'm not watching man, like man. I'm you telling know, you, I'm telling you, baking man. challenge or whatever. Right, right. I'm telling you, the tournament that they do that's going on right now. Uh, it's on Sunday nights, I believe. Guy Fieri's the host. And it's like the the top 32 chefs. And it's like, you know, March Madness style. Like we're talking about for basketball. 
and it's one-on-one competitions, and they have a randomizer, and they spin it, and that determines what the protein is, what the vegetable is, and what equipment you have to use and all this. It is by far my favorite show uh, during the year, and it's only on, you know, at this time of year every year. And they're in year four of it, I want to say. It's so good. I just, I'm obsessed with that show. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Uh, so the Marquette, you know, they're the really the only Wisconsin-based team that's in this tournament. Uh, and they get a two seed, which is unheard of in these parts for any team from the state to get a two seed, which means they're facing, you know, a, a double-digit uh, team in Vermont. And every year... Every year, there are double-digit upsets, double-digit seeds upsetting single seeds. We've seen two seeds get upset. The 12-5 is a popular one. But most of us have no idea about any of the—I couldn't tell you anything about Vermont. Uh, so if, for most of us, it's just a guessing game. For you pros, though, I'm guessing there's more to it. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much that goes into consideration, right? It's team versus team, like specific matchup stuff. It's, I think tournament history is really important. Um, do you have a coach that tends to do well in the tournament, especially when you have, when you start to get a really big sample size? Uh, you know, how does the coach generally play? Um, how does the conference do? So for these smaller conferences, so people see, you know, 16 seeds and 15 seeds. Sometimes the conference has a really like long track record of success, usually because of the style that they play, or uh, you know, it's like some other factors that go into it. So there are two conferences that actually do extremely well. And they're actually on the 15 line this year, which is pretty crazy. Uh, basically, no bad teams made it. Like, all the good mid-majors all won their conferences with only a couple exceptions. So what that does is it pushes, like, all – like, if you're just, like, a pretty good mid-major, you get pushed down now because, like, Drake made it and Charleston made it and VCU made it. So, like, they get the 12s. And then you're sitting there and you're Colgate, who's a really good team, like a genuinely good team. Like, like excellent offense, bomb threes. I think they have like have a chance to beat Texas. Like they're a 15. So I actually think the way this sets up with all the good mid majors making it, they all won their tournaments with again with only a couple examples or a couple exceptions. I actually think you could see a lot more upsets on those seed lines this year. I don't know if Vermont is one of them. They always get a ton of hype coming into the tournament and then they like never cover basically or they always come up short. They have, you know, their best upset is obviously like 30 years ago they beat Syracuse. That's the one everybody remembers. I think Marquette is pretty safe, but, you know, Shaka Smart the last five, six years, basically been like the worst tournament coach in yep. the country. Uh, so anything's possible. I did not bet the game. I didn't bet Marquette. I didn't bet Vermont. I think the spread's about right. But even the, the number there, right? Like you, we've seen two 15s where the team's favored by 20 points. Yep. And this year, you only have one game, UCLA, UNC, Asheville, that fits that description. All the other three two 15s, so Vermont against Marquette, Colgate, which I already talked about against Texas. I did bet Colgate in that game. And then Princeton against Arizona. The Ivy also has a ton of success historically in the turn. Like, these are tricky games, and I think that speaks to how kind of fun the first round might be. Are you a uh, uh... – Probably not, but I I tend to be a, a stylistic type guy. If if I know I, I've got a slow them down team that just shoots a bunch of threes and so forth against a team that doesn't like playing in the half court that likes to get out in transition, that slow it down team is probably more likely to keep it close versus two you know different seeds like fifteen and two that play a similar style. In which case, that fifteen probably is going to get drilled like expected. Sure, I think there are obvious 
situation or like situational matchups where you would look and you'd say, okay, this is going to be a really big problem. <laughs> so uh, I'll give you an example. I went to Richmond. So that's where I went to school. Okay. And in the, in the 2010 NCAA tournament, Richmond made the field and they don't make it very often. I think they've only made it three times since I went to college there. And I went to college there a long time ago. Uh, they made it last year, which is cool. And they beat Iowa. So in 2010, they were drawn as a seven, seven or a 10. And they played St. Mary's in the first round and St. Mary's, had like a seven-foot big man named Omar Samhan, was his name. Uh, this same area team also had Matthew Della Vadova. People are NBA yes. fans. Della. So, yeah, we had him in Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had him a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little he's a fan, he's but, a yeah, fan whatever, favorite, so, though. Right. People loved him when he was here. Right. Yeah. So I, people probably don't remember where he went to school. He played on the St. Mary's team in 2010. So Omar Samhan is like seven feet tall. And I've followed Richmond basketball the whole year. I had graduated a few years ago. Richmond never has size. They play like five small. They like play a Princeton-style offense, back cuts. This was going to be an abject disaster. Like this is gonna, <laughs> like you just there was there's just no way around it. And I, I would imagine whoever wins the game tonight and has to play Zach Eady in the first round, they're going to figure there's going to be a similar problem, right? It's like depending on who wins this game, like do you have anyone remotely close to matching up with this large human? Nope. Basically, is a really good way to start. And sometimes it's no, and that's really in college NBA you can scheme around this stuff. College that is incredibly problematic. It doesn't happen very often because there aren't very many seven footers that are good. But like that St. Mary's, so St. Mary's won that game by like 30 points. Then St. Mary's upset Villanova, who was the two seed that year, also with Omar Samhan playing really well. So this stuff is like a real thing. Short that my, I guess my point would just be short of that, like something that obvious. I don't get too wrapped up in like, okay, well this team shoots threes and this team like stops that. Like some of that stuff can be really overrated. The game is too random and the coaches like know what each other's weaknesses are, but like a size thing, something that's really obvious, I still think can have value. All right, talking with Ken Barkley, uh, as we always do uh, here uh, every week. Uh, record usually on Wednesdays, our bonus edition, I guess you could say, uh, of Green and Growing. All right, let's talk about you know, kind of how this whole thing is going to play out here. Uh, give me a couple of sleepers uh, that you like in this tournament to, to make a run. Not Maybe not necessarily win the whole thing, but just to make a run farther than maybe people are talking about. So the way I like to approach the problem, Sparky, is I think a lot of people – fixate on like a team that they really like or two teams that they think are like these are my teams and they kind of go with those into the tournament I approach the problem the opposite way so I figure out who are the teams that I hate like that are top seeds that I want to fade and I will bet against them every round of the tournament until they're eliminated and for a variety of reasons these have been very valuable teams to play against and it's usually about something statistically that the team does so I'll give you a couple examples of teams um, that fit that description Uh, if you are what I call a paper tiger. So this is a team that's extremely good on offense and extremely terrible on defense. So they're very imbalanced in terms of at both ends of the court. Teams that are very good offensively and bad defensively get eliminated and bounced in upsets all the time. There's a number of historical examples of that happening. Okay, there are some teams this year that fit that description. We could, you know, it could go into the minutia, but just the teams that fit the description are Baylor, plays UCSB in the first round. I like UCSB in the game. Gonzaga, who everyone likes, I couldn't be happier. I think Grand Canyon might beat them in the first round. Grand Canyon is coached by Bryce Drew, obviously has a long tournament success story. Um, This is year four, building the program. They made the tournament a couple years ago and kind of put a scare into Iowa for about 30 minutes. I think this is an incredibly sketchy game for Gonzaga, and I am dying to fade them at every opportunity. One of the reasons I like UCLA so much to win the region and to win the tournament is that they drew Gonzaga as their three 
I think the worst three probably on the three line, a team that I think could get bounced very early. One of the worst defensive teams in the entire tournament in terms of how many points they actually allowed. So Baylor, Gonzaga, Xavier, Miami, these would be teams where, okay, some people find sleepers. I find like anti-sleepers. Like who do I want to bet against right from the jump? And it's definitely, that would be one list of teams that fits that description. I'm 1 million percent with you on Baylor. I've been anti-Baylor all year. I just don't think it's one of his better teams. Uh, And I'm with you all the way on that one for sure. Uh, Okay, what about coaches? Do you ever find yourself going, okay, this coach is here. Like we talked about earlier, Shaka Smart hasn't won uh, in forever since VCU uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, And kind of find yourself kind of not really believing in that coach, regardless of where he is. For me, it would be Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes packs as light as anybody for an NCAA tournament. He's never had a lot of success in the tournament necessarily with the talent that he's had. And obviously now he's at Tennessee with a tough first round matchup. Yeah. So I think coaches are such an interesting, this is probably the most interesting aspect of handicapping the tournament because it's, I do think it's a real thing and you're, it's like, you're never going to have enough games to know for sure. And you have to like subjectively kind of guess a little bit about what's going to happen, right? Like for every Rick Barnes and to, for people who don't follow Rick Barnes, he made the final four, one of his first few years at Texas. Texas yeah. This is when I was like, just, this is when I was just starting college. I'm currently 38 years old. So he made the final four with Texas one time. He has yet to return to the final four in about 25 years. That's about 20 years since then. Um, Matt Painter would be the other one with a really long history of not making it. And again, the way to measure this is versus expectation. Like if you're a 16 seed every year, okay, like you, you should be 0 and 10. Right. You should be 0 and 8 because you're going to play one seed. Yep. Tennessee has frequently had really good teams. And versus expectation, they get upset all the time. Purdue is the other team that fits that description. This is the best team Matt Painter has ever had. He has never made the final four before in about 15 years coaching Purdue. And he has only made one regional final despite being a top four seed about seven times, I think, or something like that. One of the most notorious flameout artists in the NCAA tournament. He's gotten, again, he got upset by St. Mary's in the Sweet Six, uh, not St. Mary's, uh, St. Peter's, excuse me, in the Sweet 16 last year. Lost to North Texas. When Chris Beard used to coach Little Rock, they beat Purdue. Like, Purdue always loses games like that. And so the really interesting thing this year, they're, the, they're a one. This is the best team he's ever had by far. This is the best player he's ever had by far in college, at least. Like, they should do something. And yet, you kind of can't help the, like, sneaking suspicion. And the best part is he and, he and Rick Barnes are in the same region, which is really funny. Yep. Like, are either of these guys ever going to do this, basically? And, like, is that a real thing? I think it might be a real thing. So there would be two coaches that fit that description. One other one, just very quickly, Dan Hurley at UConn. So UConn on a piece of paper looks like one of the absolute best teams in the country. Like Ken Palm, I think they're like a top 10 team right now. I I make them, they have almost no weaknesses in terms of winning a national championship even. And they're a four seed. They kind of remind me a little bit of Houston last year, who was a five and made, and almost made the final four. Dan Hurley, this is just his third NCAA tournament at UConn. He is responsible for two of the worst tournament games I have ever seen a coach coach in the NCAA tournament in just two years. They got bounced in the first round both years. They were favored in both games. Last year, they were favored by almost 10 against the 12 seed and lost outright. And it's just like, how can I show up with those two data points with this coach who like blew the Big East tournament too, didn't call timeout in the final seconds against Marquette in the semifinal. Like, how can I bet on this guy? Or am I stupid? Is that, is that like too small of a sample? And I just don't know. Connecticut is the team for me that fits that description of, if you just look at them on a sheet of paper with numbers, you're just going to go, I'm going to bet this team to win the national championship. This team's unbelievable. And then you look at the coach and you just go, 
oh no, <laughs> like, oh God, like what is going to happen there? And I think they could lose to Iona in the first round. Honestly, he's going to get outcoached by Rick Pitino. We know that game's two hours away from Iona. Iona's played in the gym before because Siena plays there. This is like Connecticut to me is the most interesting team in the tournament because they should be awesome. And yet I think they might be so poorly coached that it doesn't matter. Patino and Iona upset UConn, and then Patino takes the St. John's job and ends up in the Big East. Oh, my God. Can you God. imagine? Oh, my God. And it's, like, totally possible. Oh, it's yes. totally possible. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, unbelievable. He has Kent Barkley. Follow him on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. You're going to want to follow him. You're going to want to listen to You Better You Bet with him and Nick Costos throughout the tournament. I'm telling you, these guys are awesome at a job what they do, and you're going to laugh, and you're going to have fun, uh, and probably make some money along the way, too, which is always a good thing. Kent? Thanks so much for joining us again this week on a bonus edition of Green and Growing. Thanks, Sparky. See you next week.